0: Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm here again with Katie Goulis and we were just presenting to you what the Eastern Orthodox Churches say about this doctrine of the Immaculate Conception that we celebrate this week in the churches East and West.
1: Father Tom, you know, when I was in college, and even when I was in high school, when people would talk about the Immaculate Conception, there'd always be one or two people who would say, wait, Jesus was conceived on December 8th, and then he was born on December 25th? (laughs) That just doesn't make any sense. And then I would have to tell them, well, that's because this isn't the conception of Jesus we're talking about. It's the conception of his mother. And so perhaps that's part of the genius of the East and the way that we title the feast because we don't leave any questions unanswered with our title.
0: Now, isn't that interesting? Our title in the Eastern Church for this feast is razor sharp, pinpoint specific, Yet we say that the doctrine of the Mac conception is a mystery and we don't totally define it. <laughs> Another one of those ironies. But yes, you're right. It's very clear. The conception of the mother of God in the womb of St. Anne. So that's very clear. It's not the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ and the conception of Christ, of course, was a very, very, very special event. But it's not what we refer to when we talk about the Immaculate Conception. We talk about the conception of the Mother of God in the womb of Saint Anne. And how the West says she was preserved from conception, from original sin. The East has a problem with that, and we're explaining why as we read from the book by Archbishop Timothy Ware.
1: He goes on to say that the Orthodox feel it to be unnecessary. They feel that, at any rate, as defined by the Roman Catholic Church, it implies a false understanding of original sin. They suspect the doctrine because it seems to separate Mary from the rest of the descendants of Adam, putting her in a completely different class from all the other righteous men and women of the Old Testament. From the Orthodox point of view, however, the whole question belongs to the realm of theological opinion, and if an individual Orthodox today felt impelled to believe in the Immaculate Conception, he or she could not be termed a heretic for doing so.
0: Now that's a very good point. I'm really glad that Archbishop Callistos Timothy Ware put that in an explanation, because it also helps us as Eastern Catholics, because our Orthodox friends will say, well, you're just like us, you're Eastern, you same liturgy, same text and all that, well, how is it then that you accept the teaching of the West, then, on this issue of the back conception? Well, part of the answer was just what we heard from Callista Ware, that we can believe in it, and even an Orthodox person can believe in it. We do, as Eastern Catholics, believe in it, but we also observe it in the way that is proper to us as Eastern churches, in our liturgical services, with our liturgical text. And for the Orthodox, and for us as Eastern Catholics as well, if you believe in it, of course, no one is committing any heresy.
1: He goes on to say that, but for orthodoxy, while for the most part denying the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception of Mary, firmly believes in her bodily assumption. Like the rest of humankind, Our Lady underwent physical death, but in her case, the resurrection of the body has been anticipated. After death, her body was taken up or assumed into heaven, and her tomb was found to be empty. She has passed beyond death and judgment and lives already in the age to come. Yet she is not thereby separated from the rest of humanity. For that same bodily glory which Mary enjoys now, all of us hope to one day share. Belief in the assumption of the mother of God is clearly and unambiguously affirmed in the hymns sung by the Church on August 15th, the Feast of the Dormition, or Falling Asleep. But orthodoxy, unlike Rome, has never proclaimed the Assumption as a dogma, nor would it ever wish to do so. The doctrines of the Trinity and the Incarnation have been proclaimed as dogmas, for they belong to the public preaching of the Church, but the glorification of Our Lady belongs to the Church's inner tradition.
0: It's interesting, Katie, how Archbishop Ware, in his book, is talking about both the conception, and there's the beginning of of the existence of the mother of God, and also then her passing, and there's the end of her earthly life. And he talks about those in the same breath, because one does influence the other in terms of the theological understanding. You know, the West understood this problem, too, about pulling Mary out of, or seemingly pulling her out of the human race by saying she was not affected by original sin. And so the West came up with an explanation, especially on the part of the Scottish theologian, Duns Scotus, who died in the 14th century, And his solution was this, that like the rest of humanity, Mary was redeemed by Christ, but in a different way. Whereas other men are redeemed by being cleansed of the original sin that they acquire at conception, Mary was redeemed by being preserved from that sin in the first place. But both acts, whichever way were preserved from it, or or were saved from it, from original sin, both of them are still redemptory. So what the West is saying, and the, the answer they came up with, especially to try to answer the East, was that, look. It's not pulling her out of humanity, it's simply saying that Christ redeemed her kind of like ahead of time, and he redeems us later on, <laughs> as, once, as, we, as we live on this earth, and we go through our life, and hopefully if it's holy enough, and we achieve salvation, so we've been redeemed. So Christ redeems us, but in a later on. With her, it would happen way at the beginning. Either way, it's Christ redeeming us from original sin. The Eastern Church looks at original sin more in terms of the effects of it. In other words, that the mother of God, this is why the Orthodox have a little problem. They say, well, she was still born into a world touched by original sin. So she had to be touched by original sin as well, but not actual sin. So they make a distinction. In other words, they do believe, like the West, that the Virgin Mary did not sin. She had no sin, but she was not totally preserved from original sin is what the Orthodox would say, because she was born into a world that has been touched by original sin. So she too would have been touched by it. They probably might say, for example, to put this in a concrete, that maybe the Virgin Mary, maybe she stubbed her toe too and said, out sometimes. (laughs) Or something like that. In other words, things that belong to the fallen order she would have experienced. So the Orthodox would say, so in that sense, no, she wasn't totally preserved from original sin because original sin also has to do with, you know, the imperfections of this life. This life was intended to be perfect on the part of God, uh, It had a certain perfection at the beginning, and so did humanity. You know, the, the original E, the original Adam, were designed, intended by God, to be perfect, to be holy. And if there wasn't sin, things would have stayed that way. There wouldn't be death, there wouldn't be stow tubbing. there wouldn't be disease and so on. At least this is how we see, in both East and West, the origins and the intention of creation. So what the Orthodox are saying is that, well... Because of original sin, we've got all kinds of imperfections. She had to have been touched by by the fact that she comes into this world. But she herself was preserved from sin. It's interesting to have an Eastern or Western approach that basically arise at the same thing, I believe, Katie, because to me, it's like, what is the answer to this? To me, especially the Eastern Catholic, because we come from the same liturgical spiritual tradition as the Eastern Orthodox, but yet we're in union with the Pope of Rome, so we have to accept Catholic teaching, the teaching of the West. So what do we do? And that's the question Orthodox have about us Eastern Catholics. And for me, the answer is, of course we believe and accept what the Catholic Church says. But at the same time, we're free to live it out according to our particular tradition. So in other words, when it comes to this feast, we call it the same way as the Orthodox, Orthodox brothers and sisters, and we pray it the same way. And that's what's most important because we say the same prayers, the same words, the same liturgical services and expressions as our Eastern Orthodox brethren. So we're free to live it out in our Eastern way. But at the same time, we can accept what the Roman Catholic Church has said about it. And I think, actually, that's kind of neat. <laughs> I know some of our Orthodox may have a problem with that, understandably, but, well, that's where the whole discussion of ecumenism is. Uh, but as we have to remind them, though, I have to remind all the listeners what a great Orthodox theologian himself, a great luminary of our day, Archbishop Callistus Ware said, that if an Orthodox person does believe in the Immaculate Conception the way the West does, that that's still okay, because the Orthodox has not defined it in the way the West has, and therefore, if an Orthodox person believes it, they're not committing any heresy. Just listen to some of the text here. This is for the Vesper service for this feast day. The barren Anne leaped for joy when she gave birth to Mary the Virgin, who in turn will give birth in the flesh to God the Word. Overflowing with happiness, she cried out, Rejoice with me, all tribes of Israel, for I have conceived and put aside my burden of childlessness, as the Creator has deigned. He heard my prayer and healed the pains of my yearning heart. Now, one of the things that's emphasized in the Eastern Catholic and Eastern Orthodox experience of this feast of the Immaculate Conception, or the conception of Mother God and the womb of St. Anne, as you heard just here, is the Overcoming that reproach of childlessness, that's a very strong theme that runs through the liturgical texts in the Eastern churches on this feast day, make a very big deal the fact that this woman, Anne, who could not bear children, eventually had a child. So she was freed from that shame of childlessness, which was a big shame at that time. But so too were a number of important people from the Bible, such as John the Baptist, or even in the Old Testament, Samson. Now listen to this prayer here. The sayings of the prophets are now being fulfilled, the holy mountain is planted in the womb, the divine ladder is set up, the throne of the great king is ready, the God-inspired city is being adorned, the unburnable bush is beginning to bud forth, and the treasure house of grace is overflowing. It is spreading over the rivers of unfruitfulness of the God-wise Anne, whom we glorify in faith. I just pronounced a whole string of what we call allegorical typology in Eastern churches, references to the mother of God from the images of the Old Testament, which are foreshadowings of the Mother of God. And we say these things, we sort of reach into the Bible during this time of this feast day in the Eastern Church to bring forth all those typal images of the Mother of God for this very beautiful, glorious feast of the Immaculate Conception and or the Conception of Mother of God in the womb of Saint Anne. I want to thank you for listening. I was here today again with Katie Goulis. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's Reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East on Father Thomas Loya, or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com, or hear it, again, hear, it again, hear, it again, hear it again for the first time. Thank you for listening. Next week we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, ByzantineCatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its Mission of Christianity's Reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, catholicradiointernational.com